0: This morning we will be in Psalm chapter 100. If you've been with us for any length of time, we've been in a series called Summer in the Psalms, where we've taken a look at different Psalms each week. This Sunday will actually be our last Sunday in the Psalter, in the book of Psalms. Um, Next week, Pastor Mark and his family will be back and we'll be starting a new series at that point. Um, But yeah, we are in Psalm 100 this morning. Psalm 100 is a Psalm of thanksgiving which we have entered into other psalms of Thanksgiving throughout this summer. Um, But this one is really unique um, because this is the the psalm of the people of God. It is the psalm that they would sing as they entered into the temple every day. It It was the psalm that they would sing, that they would shout, they would proclaim as they would walk into the temple to offer sacrifices or praise to the Lord. But the interesting thing about this psalm is that a lot of commentators believe that this psalm was written in the post-exilic period, meaning, so, um, the people of Israel were taken over, taken into exile by the, by Babylon in 586 BC. They're in exile for 70 years. So after, um, about after 70 years, the Lord sovereignly raised up a king in Babylon, King Cyrus. God had His hand upon King Cyrus and allowed for the people of God to return back to Jerusalem. And when they return back to Jerusalem, they see that everything is decimated, everything is gone, everything they knew that was home or familiar was gone. Their temple completely destroyed. And it was in this context, this context where they just have these these global powers with their thumb on their head that they are writing Psalm one hundred. And so we know that obviously Babylon was in power over Israel and then Persia and then Greece and then Rome And so these people are writing this psalm in the midst of oppression like pain like you and I have haven't felt But they were able to find immense joy despite their pain and that's what we're going to see this morning So if you open with me to psalm 100, we will read this together and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. So whether in in happiness or in sadness, brokenness or being lifted up, this is the this is the jam, this is the anthem of the people of God during one of the hardest times in their life. This is what they would sing to God. It was ultimately, it was their identity in in who they were as the people of God and who God was to them. See, identity is often known by a certain culture. Maybe you identify yourself as a certain culture that you're a part of in your life. Most of us, if you grew up in America, you remember back as a child. Maybe you, you, you spoke a certain language or you ate certain foods that were based upon the culture that you lived in. And here in America, maybe some nostalgia um, that brings you back to your childhood is like, if you close your eyes with me and think about the 4th of July, when you were growing up, maybe you can smell the hot dogs on a grill, or you imagine watching fireworks with your friends and family, and it takes you back to a certain place, and that is part of our culture as Americans. Most of us have experienced that, whether that's good or bad, but we, we... Understand what that what that is if you didn't grow up in america You have other things that are part of your culture that aren't hot dogs and fireworks But there are also colorado is well known for its subcultures, right? There are subcultures underneath the main culture. So you have I mean so many here in colorado from breweries to youth baseball You have mountain biking and homeschooling smoking meats, right? and If any of you guys have ever met someone who drives a Jeep or owns a Jeep, especially a Wrangler, like these folks, they have their special wave. They speak a a, a different language almost that most of us normal folks can't understand. But there is a sense of culture that defines each of these groups because ultimately culture, I believe is made up of two ingredients. There's two things that make up every culture. It is knowing and feeling the knowledge of something and the enjoyment or the feelings towards something. We see that here in Psalm 100, that the people of God are knowing the truth about God and they are enjoying the presence of God in God's, in God's world, in God's kingdom, knowledge or the truth about God, knowing the truth about God always leads to feelings and affections toward God. God. But unfortunately, in the culture that we live in today, in 2021, we have seen this flipped over on its head. We have seen that knowledge or truth in this world is based upon how we feel. It's based upon how we, what, what we want or what we desire. And that's not how God intended it. Often, oftentimes you may hear sayings like, be true to yourself. Or you be you. Do whatever your heart desires. Follow your heart. Listen to your heart. I've probably said that before listen to your heart. The sad thing is, is that in Jeremiah 17 9, Jeremiah says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Because of sin entering the world, listening to your heart is one of the most dangerous things that you can do. See, when feelings trump truth, that's when truth for all of us becomes relative. Because if you believe something and you believe that is being true and I believe something to be true, but what if those two things are opposite? What if my truth says that your truth is a lie? They can't both be true, right? That is relative truth. It is not absolute. Up on the screen here, there'll be a quote from Thomas Cranmer, who's an old English reformer. And he says this: What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. Meaning, if your heart wants something, if it desires something, it's going to convince your will to choose it, and then your mind is going to justify it. Your mind's going to justify it. So, as we enter into this text today, we must understand that our feelings, that when, when we have truth and knowledge that are based upon feelings, that that's ultimately going to change over time as your feelings and your desires and your wants change. So as we dive in this morning, as the people of God, we must know two things, or we must do two things. We must know God and we must enjoy God. And as we enter into this first point of knowing God, first and foremost, we must know that the truth about God that's found in this word is absolute. It's absolute truth. It's not relative. The fact that we are all gathered here this morning because we believe that Christ died and he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And this is his word that we are diving into. And so this truth in this word is absolute. Isaiah 40 verse eight says the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. So let's enter into this word this morning. So we're going to kind of walk through Psalm 100 in a kind of different way. Um, we're going to actually start in verse three and kind of hop around it a little bit. So verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So first and foremost, the, the number one thing we need to know about the Lord is that he is God meaning he is king he is lord he is sovereign he is ruler that all things are from him and for him and through him and to him that he created all things that he is sustaining all things that he is before all things he is infinite and he is before and after all things he is god he is ruler there's the breath that we have in our lungs right now is because god supplied that breath to us he the lord is god he is king but we also know that the that the lord that he is god it is he who made us it is he who made us so he is our creator and he is our sustainer there's nothing that exists on planet earth today that wasn't breathed out by the breath of god that wasn't created by god himself he is the creator of the cosmos when you look up into the heavens you see the glory in the hand of god on display so he is god and he is our creator So what does that mean about us? Well, he, it is he who made us and we are his, we are his people. In the original language, it says we are his and we, and not we ourselves. We are his and not we ourselves. Meaning that we don't, we don't have anything. We we don't bring anything to the table in, in our own lives. It is God who made us. We are his and he owns us. He owns us. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is our father. He owns us. We are not our own. And this, this part of verse three is probably one of the most offensive verses for the modern mind today, thinking that any of us own our own lives or that we have any control over what we say or do or think it is God who owns us. The almighty God of the universe, he formed us and he created us not to feel oppressed because we are owned by someone else, but to feel free and enjoy because we are ultimately, we are made in his image. We are made in his image. In the image of God, he created the man and woman. He created them. We see this at the very beginning of the Bible that we are made in his image, red, yellow, black, and white. God made all of us in his image. Right? This is what unites us as human beings on planet earth is that we are all created in the image of god And this is also so core to what it means to be living in the culture of the kingdom And our culture as kingdom citizens is way greater than the than any culture or subculture here on earth because ultimately our identity as kingdom citizens our identity as image bearers that quickly escalates As we consider Christ coming down to earth, laying down his life for his people, because at that point we then become, we become recipients of his grace and mercy and love. We go from being God's people to now becoming God's children. We become heirs to the throne of, of God, of almighty God of the universe. We become his children And so as Psalm 100 is talking about being the people of God, who we are as people, we look at the gospel, we look at Christ and see, we aren't just God's people. We are his children. The end of verse three. So we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. When what God is telling us here is that we aren't just some dumb animals roaming around a field. What he is painting here is that he is our good shepherd, that he cares for us, that he cares for our souls, that he's going to go to bat for us. He is our protector and our provider. We, have, we shall, should have no wants because God is our shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. He will care for us and care for our souls. Jumping down to verse 5. For the Lord is good. Whenever you see this word for, and there's other text before it, you need to almost switch that word to a because. Means the same thing as because. So whatever comes after the for is based upon what comes before it. So what comes before it is enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for... The reason that we worship God, the reason that we enjoy God is because the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So we we must understand, we must know, we must see that the truth about God is that he is good and there is no one good like our God. And that his steadfast love endures forever. This is not a passive love. This is not a love that sits back and watches as your life unravels or unfolds. This is a love that endures forever and ever and ever. This is a love that fights for you. This is a love that looks down upon your life and says, man, this is a disaster down there. And he ends up sending his own son to die for you because of his great love that he has for his people, for his children. Not only that, but he is faithful to all generations. He is faithful. He will not leave us or forsake us. Remember, he is the beginning and the end. There is nothing that happens outside of God, and so he will never leave us or forsake us. This is the truth about God. We see this in, in Psalm 100 here, where there are It's broken up between knowing who God is and enjoying or responding to that truth about God. So growing in the knowledge of God should always lead to us feeling or enjoying God in some way. So point two. So point we point one, knowing God. And point two, enjoying God. Look at me at verse one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. See, the culture of God's kingdom is about all people from all nations gathering around the throne of God and enjoying and worshiping him forever. This is the culture of God's kingdom. This is what we will be doing from eternity to eternity's past. We will be doing this forever, surrounded by all peoples from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. We see that in Revelation. We see that all throughout God's word that God is about all people coming and worshiping him. Israel or God's people, us today here in this room, we exist to bring the truth about God to all nations. John Piper says missions exists because worship doesn't. Meaning the ends of the earth are not worshiping God. That's why missions exist. That's why we go to the nations because they don't believe the truth about God. Therefore they're not worshiping and enjoying God. So we exist as the church of God to bring the, the word of God, to bring the truth about God to the nations so that they would worship and enjoy God. We don't want them to be stuck left in their feelings, right? Feeling about what's best or what's true. And for each one of us, like there's things in our lives that we love. And whenever we love something, we're going to talk about it. Like for me, I love Trager's, like the, like the smoker, I love them, but I don't own one. I don't own a Traeger, but the reason I love it is because so many of you in this church have told me that I should get one and how awesome they are. I would love one. I would love to have one one day though, but it's simply because I've heard so many great things about it that I love them and I love the joy that you guys have in it. Um, But in this, in the same way, like we must enjoy the word of the Lord. We must enjoy the truth about God and share that joy, share that, that love for God with others. So God's desire is that all the ends of the earth would worship and enjoy him. Verse two, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing this word serve here, it's synonymous with, with worship. It's almost like this, this feeling of going into the court of a, or the palace of a king. You walk in before the presence of a king and just that fear and awe that you have when you walk into the presence of a king. So it's really ironic how this, this word serve is paired with gladness because you don't think about gladness or like lightheartedness when you enter into the presence of a king but we as the people of God are invited into the presence of God with gladness because we are his people and he is our God communing with our creator. This is the essence of the culture of the kingdom. Many businesses or companies nowadays, they strive for, for good culture, right? Chick-fil-a is, is one of the, one of the best, Everyone's so happy there and they know the right things to say. They're really efficient what they do. But one thing they strive for is to have the managers or even the owners connect with the employees. And and this makes up good culture within any company where the higher ups are coming down and and engaging with the employees. But God is not about just a, a handshake once a month and telling you that you're doing a good job. This is the creator of the cosmos and the king of the universe, inviting us, you and me, to dwell in his presence every single day. We as the people of God are invited to dwell in the presence of the King every day with a light hearted spirit about us, with a gladness about us. At this thought, our hearts should be radiant. Our hearts should be filled, we should be the happiest people on the planet because of knowing who God is and what he's inviting us into verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. See, once again, this was the song of the people of God. This is the song they would sing as they entered into the temple for worship. This is a practice that they did every single day. But for us, we're not, we're not entering into a temple. We're not entering into a, a place where God dwells because to offer sacrifices or because we have to earn God's favor. No, because that was, that was purchased for us by, by Jesus on the cross. So we are living under what's called the new covenant where Christ died and he rose and he ascended into heaven. And for those who trust in him, that he sent his spirit down to come and dwell in us. God is dwelling in our hearts This is what it means to be the people of God dwelling in his kingdom, that God now dwells in us. And so we don't enter into temples or courts that are made by man. God is with us wherever we go. And so this idea should shape how we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This means every day that we wake up, we are in the presence of God. I believe that as the people of God, we must be offering up thanks to God every day. And we do that for two reasons that we are reminding ourselves our own hearts of the abundant goodness of God. So when we we wake up, when we're sitting at the breakfast table, driving in our car, sitting at our cubicle, being with being around kids, like you're offering up Thanksgiving and praise to the Lord for everything, whether it's things like a cup of coffee or a good or a negative covid test or whatever it may be we are offering up praise and thanksgiving to god because offering up thanksgiving to the lord that will make your heart joyful and secondly so we offer up thanks to god by reminding ourselves of his goodness but we also offer up thanks to god by proclaiming his goodness to others this is this is where our job gets really interesting as the people of god We've got to keep an ear out for neighbors, coworkers, whoever, who are sharing things with us, like saying, Hey, my daughter has been sick. She's in the hospital. And at that point you can say, Hey, I'll, I'd love to pray for her. But then when you get the report back that she's well, that she's been healed, man, praise God that that your daughter is healed. Like that's amazing. Or if someone gets a contract on their house, like praise God with that person that this happened in their life. Praise God for his goodness before, before others, before the loss, before anybody in your life. Praise God and, and proclaim his goodness to the world. Ultimately, our identity as the people of God is defined by knowing the truth about God and enjoying the goodness of God. As we close here. So after the people of God returned to Jerusalem after 70 years in exile and they returned to their city and their temple being completely destroyed, we come to a passage in the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter three, where the people of God are rebuilding the temple of God. The people of God are gathered around this scene where the temple's being, where the temple floor is being laid. And you have the priests and the Levites, the young and the old, all gathering together about to worship the Lord. And here's what it says in Ezra chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. Should be up on the screen here. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites and the heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. Though many shouted for joy, aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping for the people shouted with a great shout. The sound was heard far away. So I think you understand the scene here. You have the temple floor, this new temple being laid, right? The people are praising the Lord until something changes where half of the group, primarily the older people and the priests begin weeping. They're crying out to God in almost like in tears and they're weeping like what what is going on here this should be a celebration of the re- rebuilding of the temple like things are beginning to turn over a new leaf right but they are once again reminded of God's goodness in the in the first part of this verse where they're singing for he is good his steadfast love endures forever see 70 years earlier they had forgotten the goodness of God. It was because they, they chose to run after the things of this world that they chose to run after their own feelings and their own desires, their own wants that they were taken into exile. that They were taken into captivity. And so this weeping here is believed to be a response of repentance as they remember the goodness and steadfast love of the Lord. So whether in joy or in loss The people of God were held together and united by the truth about God. I believe that Psalm 100 is a good daily litmus test for for each of us, for each one of us. I believe as we read through this, we can ask the question, are we really believing the truth about God? Is our life showing whether we're believing this truth or not? One of the many ways that my wife blesses me is actually when I'm most stressed or grumpy or frustrated because in this, in this moment, when I'm feeling frustration or stress or whatever it may be, she asks me one question in that moment. She says, what is true? Because clearly I'm believing something that's not true. So she asked me, what is true? And as soon as she asked me that question, it's a prick to my soul to remember the goodness of God. So I pray, and that question is a hard question to answer when you're frustrated. Um, But I pray that each day, that each one of us in this room would be able to answer that question by reflecting back on Psalm 100 and that we would believe the truth about God's word and that 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 would lead to the worship and the enjoyment of God. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we thank you for being God. We thank you for being our creator, for, for making us and knowing us, for choosing us as your people and through Christ as your children. God, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, I pray that this morning that, um, that these brothers and sisters in here, that myself, that we would turn to the truth of God's word, that we would repent of our foolishness, of, of always changing our desires and our wants and seeking after the things of this world, God. May we turn to the truth of, of you and your word, God. Would your spirit lead us this morning as we respond obediently? So Lord, we, we praise you, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.